the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And the reason love is the proof of faith is because when you put your faith in Christ, you get the Holy Spirit in your life. And the Bible says in this chapter, the fruit of the Spirit is not only that self-control, but it is love. In fact, the mark of a true Christian is not simply a correct confession of faith. It is a life of love. the word freedom and you'll come away with a ton of songs that'll give you the world's understanding of what freedom is and how we are to live freely google god's word and you'll come away with the book of galatians hi there welcome to abounding grace with pastor gary wagner from reformed heritage church in san jose today pastor gary returns us to our look at galatians 5 verses 13 through 15 We're focusing in on the boundaries of freedom, because you see, freedom from God's perspective is totally different than what you and I understand freedom to really be. Let's catch up with Pastor Gary as we explore this idea together. Here's Gary now with today's edition of Abounding Grace. God has set boundaries on our freedom in Christ to protect us, and that is what we learned last week. Last week I said the Christian life is like a high, narrow road bordered on both sides by raging rivers. One of the rivers is legalism, and the other river is license. And if you fall into either, you drown. Well, what is legalism? It is the belief that I can justify myself to God by doing the right things, or believing the right things, rather than resting upon Christ alone for salvation. And what is license? License says, because I have been freed from my sin in Christ, and freed from the curse of the law, I am free from the demands of God's law altogether. And I can follow the loving impulses of my heart, and the leading of the Holy Spirit without being burdened down by all kinds of rules and regulations in the Bible. Both of those rivers will drown you, and in living the Christian life, you must avoid falling off either side of this path. And that is why God has put up protective railings to enable us to enjoy our freedom in Christ securely and safely. So what are those boundaries, those railings, those limitations that God has put on our freedom? Because you know, there is no such thing as unlimited freedom. It is impossible. So what are those limitations God himself has put on our freedom? Look at chapter 5, verse 13. 
I preached all last week on this very first principle, which is Christian freedom. It's freedom to control the flesh, not freedom to indulge the flesh. The second railing or the second principle is in the last part of verse 13 through verse 15, which is Christian freedom is freedom to love and serve others, not freedom to exploit and abuse others. And the third limitation on our freedom is in verse 14. Christian freedom is freedom to obey God's law in the Bible, not freedom to disregard it and ignore it. Now, as we have the time today, let us continue to look at these boundaries that God has placed on our freedom for our protection to keep us from falling off and drowning in either of these rivers. Last week, we looked at the first one there in verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. That is, Christ has set us free. We saw that in such passages as Romans 6, Romans 8, and 2 Peter 2. Christ has set us free from the tyranny of Satan, and we were once slaves to sin. But because the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross, he sent his spirit into our lives to break the tyrannical hold sin had upon us so that, though we are still sinners, we, are no, long, we no longer have to do sin's bidding because there is now the Spirit of God within us, who is, of course, greater than the power of sin and of the devil. So we are now set free in Christ to control the flesh. As Christians, we have indwelling sin still, old impulses, old desires, old stains that still show up in our lives that once dominated us before we were Christians, but now we can say no to them because of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we don't have to indulge the flesh any longer. What is it to indulge the flesh? It's simply to give in. Whenever you have an impulse, whenever you have an appetite to do something you know is wrong, and you start thinking about it, and then you start letting yourself do it because... You're simply saying to yourself, well, I'm, I'm free in Christ. He's forgiven me of my sins. After all, it's only sin and he's forgiven me. So there's no real restraints on my conscience, right? Once you start thinking like that and give in to the flesh, that is to avoid sinful desires and old sinful tendencies, then you fall over into the river and you begin a course that gets worse and worse and harder and harder to break its hold upon you. Freedom in Christ is freedom to control the flesh, not to be controlled by it. That is why Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If we cannot control the flesh, and that doesn't mean, you know, our skin and bones, it means our fallen human nature, those remnants of it that still remain in us. Well, if we can't control the flesh, 
then brothers and sisters, we are not Christians. Because Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And Christ strengthens us through the presence of the Holy Spirit within us. And later on here in chapter 5 of Galatians, Paul says, the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. So that anyone who has the Holy Spirit in his life, that is, all true Christians, have the power to control themselves and their impulses and say no to sin when they need to say no. Now, we talked about all that last week. And if you weren't here, I, I would recommend you to get the CD from Ben Loomis. But the second boundary that God places on us is found in the last part of verse 13 on through verse 15, which says, But through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word in the statement, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Now, what is this boundary? It is simply this. Christian freedom is freedom to love and serve our neighbors. Not freedom to exploit and to abuse our neighbors. Freedom to love and serve other people. Not freedom to take advantage of them and to use them for our own benefit. In fact, as we are going to see in a minute, and as we read in our scripture text a while ago, the only people who are free to love are those for whom God has brought about a new birth within. And we love not only God, but each other, because God loved us. And he manifested that love in us by making us new creatures and by cleaning up our hearts and, and taking out the old heart and, and, and putting in a new one that actually has the Holy Spirit in it and the law of God written upon it and the desire and the ability to love God and other people with all our hearts. A Christian is free to worship God without fear, but he's not free ever to treat his neighbor without love. For you see, love is the proof of faith. We saw that up in verse 6, remember? For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith working through love. How do you know your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is real and not something just imaginary? You become a loving person. Faith manifests itself, shows itself, and exhibits itself in the giving of others for the welfare of other people and in loving other people. So just as you can say, faith without works is dead, you can say faith without love is dead. And the reason love is a proof of faith is because when you put your faith in Christ, you get the Holy Spirit in your life. And the Bible says in this chapter, the fruit of the Spirit is not only that self-control, but it is love. 
So everyone who has the Holy Spirit living in his heart, that is, all true Christians, have the power to love God with all their heart and their neighbor as themselves. In fact, the mark of a true Christian is not simply a correct confession of faith. It is a life of love. Turn to the passage we read at the beginning of our message today in 1 John chapter 4. Now, I did not read verse 2, but it is an important verse. It's one of the marks of a Christian. So let's start with verse 1, actually, so we can get the point. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not from God, and this is the spirit of Antichrist. So, what is one of the marks of someone belonging to God and having his spirit? He confesses correctly his faith in Jesus Christ as the incarnate Son of God, and the believing of the right doctrines of Jesus Christ, and the confessing of those revealed truths found in Scripture about Christ to other people. Now, the problem in Reformed churches like ours and in other Reformed community is that the impression you often get from people is that this is the only mark of a true Christian, And everything else is secondary and relative in importance. If you can explain the five points of Calvinism, then you're in. Oh, you might be nerdy. You may be self-centered. You may be unloving. Everyone may even think you are repulsive in the way you treat other people. But if you can make a correct confession of doctrine, you're in. And, of course, that is a lie straight from the pit of hell. Not only is a correct confession of faith not the only proof of faith, although it is important, but what John says down in verse 7 is also true. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God. In other words... You can't love another person unless you have been born of God. And if you have been born of God, you will love other people. It's not that you might. It's not that you should. It doesn't say that everyone born of God should love other people. It says this is the proof of the new birth. (coughs) If you have been born of God... He has enabled you to love other people the way Christ loves us on a creaturely level. And if we are not loving other people, we have absolutely no proof that we have been born of God. Verse 8. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Someone can have a correct confession of faith have all of the right doctrines. But if in his own life and behavior he does not manifest love from the heart to God and to other people, 
He does not know God at all, no matter what he confesses. Verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us in the changing of our hearts like he's done and providing his son as a propitiation as he has done, we also ought to love one another. No one has beheld God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us. If we don't, he doesn't. And that is the point here. How do you know God lives in you? How do you know that the Holy Spirit resides in your heart? Oh, my friends, you love one another. If you do not love one another, then there is absolutely no reason to believe that the Holy Spirit of God lives within your heart. Down in verse 16. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love and the one who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. Verse 19. We love because he first loved us. He provided Jesus for us, giving us motivation to love and obey. He provided the Holy Spirit for us in his love, providing us with the power to love and obey. And now, because he loved us, we can now have love for other people. Look at chapter 3, chapter we also read earlier. Here you have a test. And you know the book of 1 John has actually been called an epistle of tests. It presents you with several tests so that you can determine or even know for certain that you have eternal life. And it says in verse 14 of chapter 3, we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. The new birth is also called in Scripture a spiritual resurrection. We were dead in sin. God raised us from that spiritual death, and he made us new creatures in Christ. Now, how do you know This has happened to you. You know, you can't feel it with your hands or with your glands. So how do you know that this has happened to you? How do you know you have passed from death to life? You love other people, particularly the brethren. And if you are so wrapped up in yourself and your own concerns that you have absolutely no or little concern and no compassion and no pity and no love and no mercy for your brothers and sisters in Christ, you have no reason to believe at all that you have passed from death to life. So what is the mark of a true Christian? He is someone who walks and stays within the boundaries of Christian freedom. And he is free now, having been set free from self-love to love and serve his neighbors rather than exploiting them and abusing them. And he now lives a life of love. Well, who is your neighbor? Now, that's not that profound a question. There are obvious boundaries to this, but basically the parable of the Good Samaritan teaches us clearly 
that our neighbor is anyone whom God puts in our path who needs help. There are some exceptions. The Bible says if you give a drink of water to a man dying of thirst and he's a murderer or some type of criminal and he's on the run from the law and you make it easier for him to escape the law by giving him a drink of water, you become an accomplice to his crime. But other than things similar to this, your neighbor is anyone God sets in your path who is in need. Now, what is it to love your neighbor? Because we have been freed by Christ, not to exploit him, but to love him. Well, first of all, remember the perfections of love found in 1 Corinthians 13. It's a great passage of Scripture. Let me read a few verses to you from 1 Corinthians 13, which is a picture of what Christian love is. And keep in mind, there is no other love than this. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and I will read verses 4 through 8. Love is patient. Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Those are the perfections of a loving man's and woman's life. This love we have for one another includes deep affection, self-sacrificing tenderness, genuine sympathy, readiness to render assistance, a yearning to promote our neighbor's welfare, and a spontaneous giving of ourselves and forgiving other people when they hurt our feelings. What is our incentive for loving other people like that? The gratitude we have to God for loving us unto salvation, for providing for us because of his love, with redemption through the Lord Jesus Christ. Where do we get the strength to love like that? We get it from the Holy Spirit who comes into our lives when we are born again, enabling us to will and to do God's good pleasure. And what is the pattern, the model we look to, to know how to love other people in terms of 1 Corinthians 13? It is, of course, none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, notice specifically what Paul commands us to do here. And he is here quoting Jesus. It says in verse 14, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in one statement. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, if you have the New American Standard Version, you see that that is all in capital letters, indicating that it is a quote. So let's go back to Matthew 22 to see when Jesus originally said this. Now, of course, you know the gist of this particular situation. Matthew 22, verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, 
They gathered themselves together, and one of them, a lawyer, asks him a question, testing him. Teacher, which is the great commandment of the law? And he said, you shall love the Lord with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and prophets. So he is saying that one of the boundaries, one of the manifestations of being true Christian, of being free man in Christ or a free woman, is that you love your neighbor as yourself. Well, that's all the time we have. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. It is our goal and desire that you would abound in grace through the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And that is why we come to you on a daily basis. Now, as we close out our time together, we also realize that some of these messages that are presented here on Abounding Grace are well worth reviewing again at your convenience. Maybe you joined us a bit late. Well, we have copies on CD. They're just $5. Mention today's date as you call or write to us. Here's how to get in touch with us. The phone number is 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're welcome to also visit our website, learn a bit more about us. We're at reformedheritage.org. Again, reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, if you would love to partner with us, if you're feeling led of the Lord to become a financial partner with us as we continue this ministry here on this station, please write to us at PMB number 402. And the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, The zip code is 95032. Or, again, simply call us, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to join us for worship. Sunday services here at Reformed Heritage Church are at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. We meet at the Lone Hill Church 2 in the afternoon. Directions can be found at reformedheritage.org or by, again, calling 408 866-5607. We thank you for joining us and trust we'll see you again next time we get together for another broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.